This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Jets at Noon. It is Winnipeg Jets game day as they are in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, to take on Central Division rivals, the Predators. And I would argue to say even more than just division rivals, the rivalry from the playoffs. Jim Toth with you alongside, uh, well, I'm usually riding shotgun side saddle, but today I'm driving the bus. And that's because Cam Poitras forgot what time the show started. (laughs) Yeah. uh... I'm not going to lie to the listeners. He's walking down the hall. Maybe I'll have a burrito. (laughs) They're pretty good. I have not known. You get caught in that elevator sometimes, and you get stuck with... I was in the elevator today with Adam Big Hill. Yeah, he, he, he works in the 25th building. floor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Later, you can help me pick up that name I just dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you get stuck in an elevator with the guy that's... Oh, I'm not going to that yeah. floor. Picks 12 of them. Yeah, and we're thinking about burritos, and I got a sugary coffee, and he's standing there with his protein shake after just working out, and we get to work at the same time. It's not good. Doesn't and I'm just feel good. pretending to stretch like I'm sore. Yeah, I slept in today. <laughs> I forgot my game sheets is what happened. Pull uh, any trucks th- today, Adam? Remember when he worked out pulling that semi-truck? That's like That's like a Tuesday to him. You ever pull a truck? With my teeth. A bunch of times. That's what I do before I come on air. I head out downstairs and I uh, go out there and right behind the place and right I pull Right before truck. I buy this burrito, I'm going to pull this semi. <laughs> uh, pre-game show gets going at 5 o'clock. Puck drop at 7 here. Uh, the Nashville Predators, Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I was sitting here with Jim just before we, we go into weather. And I'm like, I forgot, uh, I forgot my sheets about what I'm going to talk about. And I think this guy can probably relate to what that's like. Bringing on our first guest here, uh, Robbie Stanley, host of Robbie and Rex Road on uh, 102.5, the game in Nashville, Tennessee, covers the Predators. Uh, yeah, so great start to the show, uh, Robbie. I'm sure you can you can relate. That ever happened to you uh, on your show down there in Tennessee? Oh, it happens all the time. Most of the time, like uh, we start at 6 a.m. And the fact that I've not yet been late to the show. It's kind of a miracle. Like I always yeah. I have like dreams on Saturday morning of like waking up and I'll wake up at like seven forty five and like, oh my God, I slept through half the show and it's Saturday morning. I've gotten completely in the shower before on a Saturday morning to get ready for the show at four four thirty in the morning. So yeah, I lose my mind quite frequently. I've, are you I've a done that? Yeah. I've done that in, in a different life. I'd, in a morning show. I've I've literally been in the shower. And then it hits me. I better call somebody. I'm so late to let them know that. And I grab the phone and I'm like, it's Saturday? Well, I had a nap yesterday. I don't know if you're a napper, Robbie. I always find people do morning radio, either they're nappers or not. Well, I took my nap uh, yesterday and I woke up and like I slept for an insanely amount, an insane amount of time, like three and a half hours. And it was dark outside and it said the clock had six o'clock and I freaked out. Uh, I'm like, six o'clock, I'm late, all the show and all the stuff. But anyways, uh uh, the, the, the Jets and the Predators here. Now, I, I remember I was talking to you, it wasn't this uh, off-season, but the, the one prior to that. And I remember the two of us were talking about, and the, the Jets needed, or the, the Predators, they needed their best from everybody to get into the playoffs last season. They did that last year. This year, it, it doesn't seem to be the, the situation, at least from my eyes, from this far away. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think you nailed it. I mean, last year they got career years from Philip Forsberg and Roman Yossi and Matt Duchesne, and Ryan Johansson played really well last year. And this year, 
really none of that's happened. I mean, Forsberg has been fine. I mean, he signed the eight-year, $8.5 million deal. He's on pace for right around 70 points. He's on pace for, I think, 32 goals right now. So, I mean, those are good numbers. Those are fine. When you, when you kind of pace those out, they would be the second-best numbers of his career if he keeps that pace up behind last year. But when you give him the $8.5 million contract per year, you're hoping he can get closer to 40 goals again and back to a point per game. And I just think he's been good this year. He's not been great like he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Duchesne's fallen off, I think, significantly than, than he was last year. I mean, obviously, Yossi is still really good. Mm-hmm. You know, the 96 points that he put up last year was ridiculous. And I think most people expected that to come back down. But the, the guys that you rely on to score, Forsberg, Duchesne, uh, Yossi, and then you could throw Johansson and Granlin in the mix, they've not been really anywhere near as good as they were a year ago. And you think about it, a year ago, they got career years from a lot of those guys. They had a Vezina finalist in goal, and they still were the last team to get in the playoffs in the Western Conference. So when you take some of that away, it's not a huge surprise that they're they're where they're at in the standings right now, which is out of a playoff spot. And if you go by the numbers, the math doesn't look great for them to get back in one. Is, is, I, I remember uh, uh, Dave Poole was talking about being having a competitive rebuild. Is, is that the best yeah. uh, move forward for this team in the long term, if we're looking long term? Well, I, I think it probably is, but I think that the Predators were expecting to be out of that this year. I mean, the last couple of years, they've, they've made a transition with their roster to get younger. You know, guys like Tanner Janot and Cody Glass and, you know, Yusuf Parson in this year. But on defense, guys like Carrier and Fabro, they've kind of stepped into bigger roles. So they've kind of gone through that transition. I, I want to say three years ago, they were the second oldest team in the NHL. And last year at one point, I believe they were the second youngest team in the NHL. So they made quite a transition that way. But then you go out this offseason and you sign Nino Niederreiter. You make the trade for Ryan McDonough. So after getting younger, it kind of felt like this was going to be the year where they were competitive and they tried to go for it and – you know, finished second, third in the, in the central was kind of the expectation around here before the season started. And they've just not really come close to living up to that. And the problem now is you've got guys like Johansson locked into a contract, Duchesne, Forsberg locked into a contract. So if you did want to go the rebuild route, I think it's going to be hard to do that just based on how much money and how much term some of these guys have left on their contract. So just before we get into tonight's game, uh, Robbie, so where are the Predators as we are, you know, less than six weeks away from the trade deadline? Because that's a perfect assessment of them, and, and thanks for sharing all of that. It, it kind of isn't going the way they wanted to. And, and then you look at the future, and, and what are you thinking, uh, David Poyle, might be thinking? Well, it's an interesting question because we have, we have David Poyle on my show every week, and, and we talk about mm-hmm. the deadline, and Basically, his thoughts have been that, you know, it's too early to really determine which way they're going and what the deals are going to, you know, pop up from now and then. You know, the cap is tight this year, so deals may be a little bit harder to pull off. But right now, like, if you're the Predators, you've got a few weeks to figure out which direction do you want to go. Honestly, right now, as we sit here today, I don't know that I can see them buying. I just don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for them to be a buyer at the trading deadline. The question I have is, are they going to sell or are they just going to stand pat and hope that the guys that they, they brought in the offseason, Niederreiter, McDonough, and, and some of the guys that maybe aren't having great years so far, maybe they pick it up and figure it out in the second half of the season. I mean, the, the amazing part is UC Soros has been absolutely sensational. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has been unbelievable over the course of the past month especially, and yet they still find themselves four points out of a playoff spot 
heading into tonight's action with Minnesota being four points up on them right now. So it's it's a really interesting spot that they're in. My guess would be the most likely path for them is to probably stand pat, maybe bring up a guy like Philip Tomasino from the minors and see if he can infuse something into the lineup. Or if it continues to go where you're outside of a playoff spot, David Poyle doesn't really like to do this, but you might need to consider selling off some assets if it gets that way over the course of the next couple of weeks and you start to fall even further behind in the standings. Yeah, so it's only it's only 5 points. I mean, I mean things yeah. can change here. I mean, things can change. It's you know, it's not even the All-Star break yet. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've got time and like I said, they're the, the goaltending even Lankin, their backup goalie mm-hmm. has been really good so far this year. The problem has just been goal scoring. They've been so inconsistent yeah. putting the puck in the back of the net and if you can't do that, I mean, it's hard to win games in today's NHL 3 to 2 on a nightly basis. How is the team doing health-wise and coming into this game against uh, the Winnipeg Jets? How do you feel they match up tonight? Because this is a rivalry, although it hasn't been pretty heated lately. Um, uh, These two teams, I think once the puck drops and they get into some hits, uh, still don't like each other. Well, I don't think there's any question. I mean, every time these two teams get together, my mind immediately goes back to the 2018 series and what a series that was and just the rivalry. I I thought, honestly, when, when that series finished, that that was going to be the beginning of maybe a back and forth between the Predators and the Jets in the playoffs for a few for a few years there, and it hasn't really played out that way. But the Predators are pretty healthy heading into this matchup, and really for the most part all year they've been healthy all season. I mean, Ryan McDonough missed a couple of weeks uh, with an upper body injury. Mark Borbietsky's been out for most of the season, but he's their seventh defenseman anyway when everybody's healthy. So I mean, I, they're they're pretty healthy heading into this game. They've won three out of their last four. They had a dud last week in St. Louis on the road where they just didn't play well at all. They basically had, I won't call it a closed-door players-only meeting, but a pretty impassioned meeting the day after that where some accountability had to be uh, said. You know, Roman Yossi called it an uncomfortable meeting was the term that he used, and then they came out and responded and beat L.A. 5-3 to three on Saturday night. So they, they've won some games lately. They've won three of their past four. I think they feel good about the way that they've played. And, you know, Duchesne scored twice Saturday, Granlin scored, Johansson scored, and Forsberg had seven shots on goal. So the guys that they need to get going played really well on Saturday. If they can keep that up tonight, that's really the shot that they have because, as you guys know, Winnipeg's been playing so well and Hellebuck's been so great in goal that between that matchup, Hellebuck and Soros, I'm really interested to see how that plays out tonight and if it turns into a goaltending duel like it was the last time these two teams saw each other in Winnipeg. Just to switch gears here, I know I know that uh, you and Rex Road, you guys cover more on, on the game there in Nashville. Uh, what's the buzz about Nashville getting an MLB team? Yeah, that's something we've, we've talked about a lot. And basically, there, there's an ownership group that's in place here in Nashville, but well, as we've kind of talked, number one, you got to get the stadium figured out, and that's been an ongoing process here. And you've got to get somebody in there, I think, with deeper pockets to really kind of be the face of the ownership group. They've got a bunch of different people lined up, and nobody with those huge pockets that it might take uh, to really get a group going here. But if you talk to people associated with Major League Baseball, be it expansion, be it maybe relocation at some point with an existing franchise, Nashville is definitely on their radar and, I, look, I think there's genuine interest here. I think it would go over well here. There was a point probably 10, 12 years ago when we were having this conversation where I just didn't think the city was big enough to really handle it. And as you guys know, Nashville has just exploded yeah. over the course of the past 10 years. So I think, I think it's, they're in a situation now where they could handle an MLB team. 
Pre-game gets going at 5 o'clock. Puck drop at 7 right here on 680 CJOB. Winnipeg Jets taking on the Nashville Predators. Robbie Stanley, host of the Robbie and Rex Road Show on 102.5. The game in Nashville, Tennessee uh, also covers the uh, Predators as well. Robbie, thanks so much, man. You take care, okay? Talk soon. Guys, always appreciate you having me. Thanks for thanks for having me today. Thanks, Pleasure. Robbie, and thanks for lying that uh, hosts don't show up on time with all their materials. He was just helping you out, Cam. Most people don't <laughs> do, do that. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> thanks, Robbie. Great stuff. Enjoy yeah. the game. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, take care. Um, you know the thing is, I I always get the I have the dreams about what just happened, like where I show up and. Yeah, I think most people do. I saw somebody on social media today in the media say that, that like I've been out of university for seven years in journalism yeah, and I still have a, on, a reoccurring nightmare that their course that they were supposed to take, he showed up late for and the doors locked. Did that ever happen at your college? Um, we had that where assignments to teach you deadlines, like when you're on the air at 12.09 with Jets at noon, you have to be there at 12.09. And we'd had deadlines where the door would lock. I remember sliding a paper 28 seconds past 9 a.m. under the door, and it just got a zero because it's 9 a.m. is when you're supposed to be. Well, well, it happened to me one time. I got locked out of the radio station. I, lo- I locked my keys. This was when I was in Drayton Valley working there at, at 92.9 Big West Country. And I was supposed to be there at sit. I was supposed to be there at like five o'clock. And I kept trying to call my program director, locked my keys in the car. I thought he was gonna be so mad at me. And he just lived right down the road. And he was just like, no, don't worry about it, man. No sweat. No yeah, sweat. Bob Irving has a great story when he started in Brandon. Yeah. And went outside to get some air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the door <laughs> locked. And he said he went door to door trying to get a phone call back then in the 70s yeah. to get a phone to call the station manager. And nobody was home. It was a Sunday. And so he said by the time he actually got the call and the manager showed up, the record, because it was records back then, was just going ba-dump, 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 because the record had run out that he was playing. There's a, a buddy of mine at an old station. I won't mention which one. Sorry, uh, Bob. But he would, uh, he'd have to do like this community report, and he was like, like everybody knew that when he was in there, that these, he, he, he was constantly, like he'd go up and smoke. <laughs> and you just hear the sound bed for the community playing, and they just keep going for like two and a half minutes when he's supposed to be reading the spots. I'm like, yeah. there he goes again. He's just outside smoking. Dart. He forgot all about doing Longest the community dart update. Ever. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Sarah McCarthy. Uh, we got a text message here earlier today. Thanks, Uh-oh. Sir. Hi, Sarah. Sarah's eyes are, have just <laughs> I was widened. Like, about what? <laughs> it's your no, no. former hockey coach. Uh, this is from trucker Chris. Uh, cause I was, I forgot I messed up. You're probably wondering what was going on when I ran out of here just before the show started. I, w- I was a little worried. I was going to yeah. have to steer the ship. <laughs> well, you can take over the show anytime. No, no, I'm no. Giving, I can hand you the reins at Nobody any point. Nobody wants that. Um, but I, w- I forgot to load my, my sheets and stuff uh, into the program mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But as long so Chris, trucker Chris says, so I forgot that. And he texts the show 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. As long as the one-minute power play segment with Sarah McCarthy isn't <laughs> forgotten, we're good. I love that name, the one-minute oh, power one play. One-minute power play. Sarah, you ever forget to load any of your news scripts? Oh, of course. Of oh, course. Jeff, Jeff Braun prints them out, too. So if the computer freezes, then you got to back well, up. Well, Jeff has been, Jeff has been running this ship yes. for longer <laughs> yeah. than this ship has needed new paint. He also he knows what to do. He is so it ahead is. of the game. Mm-hmm. He has a little, t- he keeps it far away from any of the machines. But he has <laughs> yeah. a little tiny little cup of water that in case he gets a little thing in his throat. 
Done. Mine's right here. I question the water, but I do know what you're the cup. Yes. Yeah. I question mm-hmm. if it's water or not, but okay. uh, I, Jeff <laughs> is so on the game. He told me yesterday who would be up for the Oscars before they came out. That's how in tune Jeff yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's him and the couch potato. Him and couch potato. Oh, here's a text from Jeff right now. (laughs) Tell Sarah if she forgets a script one more time. Oh, my God. Hell hath no wrath. Oh, Oh, wow. Jeff, I've never seen Jeff. Like a newscaster's scorn. I know that exact scripture. Yes. Happens to the best of us. Thanks, Trucker Chris. The Sarah McCarthy power play (laughs) brought to you by Trucker Chris. Yeah, I think the one minute power play is going to stick. I think one minute power play with Sarah McCarthy. I love it. I do love that. Just life advice for one minute right into this segment. So you can just come to me with ideas and we can we can we can work them out. Okay. Yeah, life advice. If you want to like I'll throw some questions at you and Yeah. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Sarah. Just randoms like one dollar, one loonies on the floor. It's by your desk, but not in front of it. Pick it up or not. And then Sarah will answer that question. Yeah. And the next yeah. day will be another one. If you have questions, text the show at 204 We'll spend the rest of the week doing Sarah this. Sarah on the power play. <laughs> one minute power at 1230. play. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Enjoy your day. She hates that. She hates this segment. She's she, stuck. She. It's her job. She's contractually, obliga- contractually obligated. She's to, such a to nice do, lady. To do the news at 1230. I don't think she's ever hated anybody, but she hates us. <laughs> Texas show. Hates two, us strong. Yeah. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Uh, there's some word that Logan Stanley could be coming off IR and be a player tonight. Uh, it. To me, it seems unlikely, given the fact that we have not seen anything from the Winnipeg Jets in terms of somebody dropping down. Uh, they would have to be to maintain roster compliance. Uh, somebody would have to drop, and that has not happened yet, at least according to the Winnipeg Jets PR account, um, which they're usually really good at getting that out there. So, not sure Logan Stanley will be available tonight. Uh, if we take a look at the lines, uh, likely going to be the same uh, as from the last game. Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler, uh, Connor Dubois, Perfetti, Morgan Barron, Adam Lowry, Carson Kuhlman, Janssen, Fialbi, Stenland, and Menelein, and then defensive pairings. Hellebuck's going to start. Uh, Morrissey, DeMello, Linen, Pionk, and then Sandberg and Schmidt. What do you think about this game, Jim? I mean, it's 2-1 win. Uh, when they played last month, I think it was in December, it took overtime, but the Winnipeg Jets tuned up Nashville in that game. UC Soros, I think, made 39 saves. He was the big difference in that game. He is having an outstanding season. It's just his team in front of him. I, I yeah. Look, I was, I'm, I was surprised Nashville made the playoffs last year. I don't yeah. like the construction of this team. I know they've tried to make some deals from their depth over the years, which has been so strong on the blue line. Yeah. Roman Yossi had an outstanding year last year. He's only got 49 points. I know I'm saying only 49. Yeah. That's what Josh Morris has. He's having a phenomenal season. But he had 70-some points last year. Yeah, I mean, the only reason he didn't get uh, the Norris was because Kale because of Kale McCarr and the, re- and the season that he had. Because he had 1,000 points and 900 of them were spectacular. Yeah, um, yeah. But Roman Yossi's not having a... a Again, he's having a good year, a great year, but for Roman Yossi's highest standard, mm-hmm. not. Um, I just, I don't know what you do with this team. I, I, I've just felt like Nashville for the past two or three years has just been hanging on and clinging to things and offering Duchesne and yeah. stuff this money to try and get him over the, and Johansson has really fallen off. Um, yeah, Johansson, he's got 46 games, 24 points, minus 13. They need a, more than 11 goals from him. And a big I re- piece of this yeah, club. and I really enjoyed Paul Edmonds had a one-on-one with him in uh, in the pregame prior to the last time these two mm-hmm. teams played, and he was talking about his brother getting into a game again for Washington against the Jets, mm-hmm. 
and his brother and his own game and things like that. But it just seems like, um, and I'm just my own outsider perception of this, but Mm -hmm. I think they know they kind of aren't on the elite level. It's kind of they know they have to play a certain way and get certain things done that they're just not. Um, I just get that feeling of of when I hear Johansson or Duchesne talk. And I'll be honest, I've, I've... I love Duchesne in Colorado and then his attitude and things went south there. Yeah. Obviously, I, I can't stand the story of him in Ottawa and what he was saying in that taxi cab about not paying attention in meetings. Um, I, I don't know him at all. I don't know if he's a good teammate or bad teammate or bad guy. I just yeah. He seemed really pretty singularly focused on himself. So I just don't like the construction of this Predators team. And I think if it wasn't for UC Soros, yeah. they wouldn't even be near the playoff picture or even gotten in last year. So I'm not surprised that they're struggling this year. Yeah. But they are a tough out. Yeah, They are a tough hockey team. Uh, Janot and guys like that will make you pay the price, not just dropping the gloves, but physically. Mm-hmm. You have to play hard against them up and down the ice. And it's tough to score in Soros. The thing about, uh, like for them, a competitive rebuild to me... Is and that that's why I asked Robbie Stanley about it, host of the Robbie and Rex Road Show at one hundred two point five, the game down there in Nashville. And, and and if you missed that conversation, you can catch it on the podcast. You can find it Jets at noon, uh, not at, but at like you're sending an email. You can find this um, on on Spotify. You can find us uh, on Apple uh, Podcasts wherever you find your podcast. We it's it's going to be there. You can find us Jets at noon. But I I, I don't know what this team needs. Because last year, and and I, and I said heading into that season, if Nashville gets exactly what they need from every single player and they get career years from everybody, they have enough talent that they can push them over the edge. Uh, is that a sustainable thing? No. I didn't think Nashville was going to make the playoffs this year because I was expecting them to have sort of this, this dip down. I expect UC Soros to be an absolute stud and a stellar goaltender for the rest of his career, wherever he ends up, and if he's going to stick around in Nashville for the rest of his time there and, 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 and whatever. Um, well, and David Poyle, like David Poyle's in his late seventies. They've never so had another if general he is manager rebuild. In like they've never had another GM in Nashville. He's, and this is no disrespect to him whatsoever. But yeah. if you're going to rebuild, are, do you want to? Um, do you want a seventy-two-year-old GM doing this rebuild? Because to me, if you're going to orchestrate a rebuild, you better be around for the three to five years it takes to rebuild. There's too many guys in the National Hockey League right now. I feel. Um, that are pushing up that 70, they're around 80 and stuff like that. And these guys, are they just they just can't let go. I think there's too many of those guys. I think there's too many of them. And I know it takes a long time to get to, up into the point. And maybe I'm just sour because of Jim Rutherford and, and the Vancouver Canucks and stuff like that. But I just I just have that feeling, Jim. And I, 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 well, as a guy I, with a two-year-old who has to work till he's 147, I hope that there's a space oh, for me on. somewhere. Oh, come on, Jim. But my point to that is, is I like if you love what you do, and who wouldn't? If you're in, your, if you're in the National Hockey League, yeah, I can understand why the Rutherfords, the Poils, the why they wouldn't want to keep doing this. It's L- it's Lou no Lamarello different than I, I told and, a Bob yeah. Irving story about early in his career in the '70s. Bob did it till he was his seventies because he just loved what he did. Yeah. If you have a career where you absolutely like what you do, I I enjoy that uh, that you still. Rick Bonus is sixty seven and he's got another head coaching job, but he's got boundless energy. He's like he's like a young man still. Rick but you Bonus. have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to go along with the times where the game is at. Like when Rick Bonus talks about the game post game. And what is needed and what players do and all this, like he has, he has been diverse as he's gone along in his career. So I don't mind that you're that old and still in the game, but you have to be like, I think why we're sour on Rutherford is because he just, 
I think I don't know this, but I, I think him it, and Brujo had a falling out, I, I had and a, it was yeah. old men being angry at each <laughs> other, not a, talking. I saw a tweet that people were saying about Jim Rutherford saying that they were in shock that knowing him for years and years and years in the hockey world, and who knows who's making these comments. But I thought it was interesting to say that they're shocked that he treated Bruce Boudreau like this, and this and this ended up well, happening. Well, and John Shannon said on the pregame on Saturday, and I don't want to put words in John Shannon's mouth. You can go to the audio vault and hold that. But he basically sent. I'll paraphrase a little bit of what I believe he was saying: "Is I'm friends with Jim Rutherford, yeah, and I'm a little surprised that." And and he equated it to Jim Rutherford came from Pittsburgh. He's always been the American market. Um, it's hard for guys at that age to come to a Canadian city. And understand the fever of some things where, and I think what he was referencing in Pittsburgh, if he talked about his head coach this way, it would be news for a day and then go away. Yeah. Um, In Canada, like I'm the one doing it yesterday. I'm still going back to October when what he said about Boudreaux on some interview. Yeah. And I'm like, why would you say that about your head coach? Unless that's how you feel. And if that's how you feel, this is a problem. Bruce Brujo does an interview yesterday on Sirius XM NHL station and says, I saw that I knew this was coming since October 8th, which mm-hmm. I believe was the date Rutherford did the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Brujo's going on and on. Look, and the other thing about this is, is I don't think Brujo's blameless in this. I don't know. I, I think Brujo had a lot more say in the roster than perhaps people think. I think that when this goes south, you have a 60-year-old guy who's been in the game for 40-some years who's not agreeing with what somebody's telling him. It's also on you to make this work. It's yeah. also on you not to go, I'm angry at you. I didn't like what you said. I think it's on you to go, look, I don't like what you said, and it, it ticked me off, yeah. but we need to have a conversation here because we're trying to do something with 22 hockey players. Yeah, it's it's a real complicated issue, and there's a lot of stuff. I mean, we got to wait for the book to come out that's never going to come out to really know exactly what's going But back to the Predators yeah. quickly. I mean, what do you do? Uh, it's You can't – they're like the Vancouver Canucks, to be honest with you. You can't trade the Johansson and the Duchesne no. contracts. You just – you even if you paid somebody, you no one's taking those on because the production's not there. You know, this, this, and we got to take a Do break. Do you trade Soros? It's the only thing you're going to get. No, you can't trade him. Somebody he's, he's, would he's pay biggest, an enormous he, amount of money for Soros. He's your franchise. I mean, he's your franchise piece. He's the guy you keep and cling to as much as, as much as possible. But for what? What's the next because, three to five years of Soros's Eventually team look like? you hope that you're going to come out of this at the end of it. And you're not likely to have a guy on your roster that's going to be as good as UC Soros and net. So you got to sell them on what's to come and say it's going to be a bad three to four years. You're going to see a lot of pucks, but you're going to come out better for it. And then we're going to be a better team. you got to sell them on that. And if you can't sell them on that, well, well then you trade them. But a guy like that, you just can't, you can't get rid I of. I don't disagree, but you've got Forsberg who's not moving at eight and a half. You've got Yossi who's yeah. not moving at nine. And then you got the Ryan McDonough's, the Matthias Ekholm's making six. You'd like to move them. You can't. Duchesne and Johansson are making eight yeah. and eight. You can't move them. So I just, do you just ride it out with Soros for three to five years until you can draft better? You hope. Nashville's a nice place to live. I'm not saying trade them. I'm just saying if you're going to rebuild, the only asset you have that's going to get you a ton of assets is Soros. It's, it's, and none of that has anything to do with tonight's game. <laughs> well, it does. It does because, I mean, this is what's going to happen. 204-780-6868. we got to take a break. 
Um, one of the players tonight that's, I mean, is he under the radar? Is he not under the radar? This is a conversation we're going to have. John uh, Mattis is going to join us. He's a senior NHL writer with The Score. He just wrote a piece on Kyle Connor and uh, who he is, what makes him tick, all that good stuff. We'll, we'll have that conversation and what John has to say after this. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Is Kyle Connor underrated? Is he rolling under the radar? Well, this, yes. is a, this is a question that senior NHL writer with the score, John Mattis, he put his pen to paper. First, he stuck it to his head, and then he put it onto the piece of paper, and he asked this question. And, John, I guess, what did you find out joining us now? John, thanks so much for doing this, by the way. Hi, John. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah I mean, the sort of genesis of the story, which is on the score.com and in the score app, it was published uh, last week, is essentially I was – looking at the primary assist leaders this year, you know, this would have been two weeks ago or so, and I noticed Kyle Connor was way up there. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Thought he was a, you know, a sniper who obviously collected his assists, but wasn't that impactful uh, on the playmaking side. So I thought, hey, I'm going to dig into, you know, Kyle Connor a little bit here and and go down to Buffalo. I don't live too far from the rink uh, where the Sabres play. Uh, the Jets are coming through. Let's let's go see what what's going on with Kyle Connor. And I kind of walked away from that going we don't talk about this guy nearly enough uh outside of winnipeg and i know you guys and a lot of people listening will go yes we know kyle connor is at least a star maybe a superstar um when you look at what he's accomplished but honestly when you're looking league-wide he's super underappreciated very overlooked and the one thing i always go back to um is he's got 200 goals since his first full season that's 2017-18 and that ranks sixth amongst amongst all NHLers. And I mean, the the guys above him are are you know guys I wouldn't necessarily put in his tier. You know, Ovechkin, Matthews, McDavid, Drysaitel, Pasternak. I mean, they're they're franchise players. But you know, Con- Connor's still ahead of you know some really impressive guys like like Stamkos, McKinnon, Rantanen, Tavares. That's that's the list in order. Connor's right in the middle of those two groups. So it's. It's super crazy, super impressive uh, from the standpoint of his consistency year to year. Uh, he's on pace for 98 points this year. That would be a career high. Might not hit the, the career high with the goals, but the assists are there, and it's just people are sleeping on, on him league-wide, I think. So why is that, John? Because I remember doing like other city, other market radio shows three, four years ago and, and being asked, is he the best kept secret in the National Hockey League? And I would scream yes. Like, And, and I remember when Patrick Laine was here, and it wasn't a slight on Laine, but I would put out, Kyle Connor's going to score more goals than Patrick Laine, in, in my opinion, because he's just got better overall hands and um, has the better overall skill to score goals in many different fashions. As elite as Laine is with the shot, he can do this, but yet year after year, and then you know the Lady Bing last year, and I everybody thought, well, he'll be a, a front uh, runner for for the most you know famous jet, and then here we are again. Connor Hellebuck's back. Josh Morris, he's having a Norris season. Even opposing teams, you rarely hear them. They they for sure put Connor's name on the board and say this is what we have to do to stop this guy, but you don't hear a lot of opposing teams going well. Forget Shifley, forget Ehlers. We got to keep an eye on Connor. Like, why? Why is he so underrated, even at this point of his career? Do you think? Yeah, that's the the curious thing, right? And uh, I tried to understand that a little bit as well, and in, in talking to guys in the Jets' room, talking to Rick Bonus, just thinking about it myself, and a couple of theories I'll throw out there. I mean, 
one, if we want to talk league-wide, I mean, the Winnipeg market is both big and small, in my opinion. I mean, it's big because it's Canadian. Um, there's obviously a big fan base there, a large fan base, um, and it's rabid. But it's also, compared to a Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, fairly small, especially when you factor in uh, the media market is smaller. So I think that plays into it, sort of like the publicity angle certainly plays a part. Um, I think the fact that he's not super well-rounded in terms of his defensive play probably um, reels him back from from the spotlight just because, you know, we love to, to drool over, you know, two-way players and defensive stalwarts. Like, think of a Patrice Bergeron. I mean, he doesn't put up a ton of points every year. He puts up points, but not a ton. But we're obsessed with that guy uh, as, a, as a hockey role because of the consistency in the defensive end and the numbers he puts up, under uh, you know, the, the underlying numbers. Um, I think also even, you know, Connor as an offensive player, yes, he's got that wicked wrist shot. He's got that, that mm-hmm. quick, uh, that, that quick feet. But aside from that, he's not very flashy, right? I mean, he's a good four checker, you know, he's good on the cycle. He ranks really highly league wide on, on cycle chances per game, but you know, that's not super sexy. And I just think that his, as, as weird as it sounds, he looks so normal. When you're watching him on a broadcast, like, yeah. he's not big, he's not small. Yeah, John, uh, you know? this guy just texted and said, Cal Connor looks like the 10 guys I went to high school with in the late 80s, and he's just got that cool <laughs> demeanor. John, I wish we had some more time, but we got to leave it at that. Senior NHL writer with the score, you can go and please check out his article in appreciation of Cal Connor, the NHL's perennial overlook star. It's on thescore.com. John, thanks so much for this. I really appreciate it, okay? You take care. All right, have have a good one, guys. Cheers. Thanks, John. He does he does look like that. He does look like your buddy who played backup shortstop on your team that everybody liked, but was never really the. I, I just <laughs> yeah, it's it's a mystery to me how even when you go into other cities that you're not hearing, we got to stop Connor. Yeah, I, it, again, you're right. It's happening in the locker room, but it's not happening outside in the in in the stands. That's for sure. That's it for me. I'll be back same time tomorrow. See you. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.